<laughs> I think I just made that word up. Uh, Nick Spain. Nick, introduce yourself, sir. Oh, what's going on? Um, Nick Spain. I think we did this last time on the episode, but if you're just joining us for the first time, thanks for clicking in. Thanks for joining. You can find me on Letterboxd at Nick Spain. I review all the movies that I watch, and I give my two cents on them. And we also have joining us today, Mr comedian, philosopher, author. I don't know about that last one. <laughs> Please welcome Mr. Jeremy Zink. Hey, y'all doing, guys? Thank you so much for correcting Phoenix that Ben Affleck is not the best Batman. I appreciate all the fans out there who have spoken. You guys are the true heroes. And happy Memorial Day to all of you. Oh. Oh, uh, you guys were so wrong. But anyway, <laughs> and last but not least, uh, the great and wonderful Mr. Double G himself, Nathan Pig. Hey, everyone. Thank you for joining us here on episode two. Um, you can find me on Letterboxd at Nathan Pig, N-A-T-H-A-N-P-I-G-G. Feel free to interact with me on anything we watch. Also, hit up our Film Code social medias. We are now on Spotify. Um, we're currently on Anchor as well. We're looking to get on Apple Music and YouTube and a couple of other streaming platforms. We're also on Twitter at Film Code Pod, Facebook as well, Film Code. And yeah, we, we're going to be on some other platforms as well. So please we're feel free to, yep, we're taking over the world. Please feel <laughs> free to interact with us and, and chat with us. And yeah, just really excited to get on with episode two. Yeah. And actually on that note, I do want to say we are now on Captivate. So if you search uh, film code, oh, I'm sorry, filmcoders.captivate.fm, you will find our website and that's going to have our episodes. It's also going to have a little bit about our hosts on there. So that is once again, filmcoders.captivate.fm. All right. So it's time for episode two, guys. And we are kicking off with the big... Yeah. Big news of the week, I guess you would say, uh, that Warner Brothers has officially greenlit uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League, uh, which is exciting because anyone who saw the original Justice League is certainly, we're left with some, some uh, deep, dark impressions. Uh, <laughs> Nathan, what was your impression of Justice League? With the original Justice League, actually, I just watched this for the first time a few months ago when I was watching the DCEU, and 
when the credits rolled for Justice League, I was thinking, you know what? This is not as bad as everyone says it is. I don't think it's good by any means. I don't think it's good. But it's not the, you know, hot garbage that everyone says it is. It's just not. It was really entertaining. I, I think that that's something that if you don't say it's entertaining, film isn't for you. Because it definitely is. It's nice to see all those characters. The fights kind of suck, but it's not boring. Um, I thought the humor worked personally. I liked the humor. I know that's a misfire on some people's um, steps, but for me, I liked it. But look, the story's trash. It's so bad. There's no denying the writing was terrible, terrible. And when we'll, we'll talk about the direction and everything in a little bit, but something that is flying under the radar is Chris Terrio wrote um, – he was the writer for this movie and he was the writer for Star Wars, the rise of Skywalker two absolute flop movies. Why is he not getting his head cut off during these discussions? Why is it only the directors? Chris Terrio should never write another film in his life. And if he does, it really needs to win me over. Um, I'll let you guys give your thoughts though. Jeremy, what'd you think? Yeah, Jeremy, you just you just recently saw this, right? Yeah, I did. Now, now for someone, all right, for an older gentleman, let's say this: there is no prior older, prior to 2017, there's no older Justice League, correct? Uh, not a live action movie, I don't believe. No. Okay, just making sure we're on the same damn page because I'm probably gonna step on some toes and piss people off with this, but yeah, Justice League was a structural goddamn disaster. And I'm just being not nice about it. <laughs> I wanted, look, I went into this with an open mind. Never seen it before. It was a movie that I had by chance passed over. So I watched it and I was not impressed. Um, it, felt, it felt to me like the whole storyline was hurried. Like it was just rapidly formed and pushed to production, which was not, it, it, nothing made sense. Like I like the characters Batman, of course, I got some things to say about that one, too, because there was no fighting and he wielded a gun, which Batman does not fucking do. Like, yeah. who? Come on, Batman. <laughs> um, but I, I don't know. The attention to detail was there. We went around and there was too many, too many going out of left field with scenes. Like we go here, then here, then there, then there. That final scene, like the boss battle, so to speak, was over before you blinked an eye. <laughs> like, you blinked, dude was dead. And we're like, what happened? Um, I do like the cast characters with the exception of Ben Affleck. Um, I liked Aquaman. That was the dude who played Drogo from Game of Thrones. Badass actor. Um, the one thing that blew my mind, I didn't agree with Alfred's portrayal of I didn't agree with the character itself, but I like the actor who played him, Jeremy Irons. He played one of my favorite villains in Die Hard. Very good actor. I just didn't agree with his part in that, you know. But I really wasn't impressed with Justice League. That's my opinion. Um, I hope there's better to come, but at, as it stands right now, no. <laughs> Nick, Nick, just I no. see you shaking your head a lot, man. What, what was your impression of Justice League? Well, like Jeremy, yesterday was, was my first time watching Justice League, so fresh fresh in the mind. I'm pretty sure Nathan and one of our other roommates were watching Suicide Squad. I joined in at the tail, and we saw Birds of Prey. 
in theaters and I'm pretty sure Justice League is the first Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman movie that I've seen. And I don't know if it's just me um, coming into the, the DCEU, but when they showed Ben um, Affleck as Batman, I kind of forgot that he was Bruce Wayne. And I was like, uh, is he Batman? And I had to look on Letterboxd and be like, is he? Yeah, okay, he is. Because, fooled me, he doesn't really come across as Bruce Wayne, per se. I know it hurts you to hear that, Phoenix. Because <laughs> you love Ben Affleck. Yeah. Um, but I agree with a lot of the things that J- Jeremy said. The pacing was off. I think in Endgame, Nathan and I t- talked a lot about how they spent too much time on the time travel aspect and not enough time in the boss battle. And I feel like they did that here, building up all these different personalities and characters. It seemed like they took so long to build everybody up and give their own backstory. And, you know, I know we'll talk about it later, but hopefully that'll be better in the, the Snyder's cut. But one thing that I just did not like is Flash. I think he was so obnoxious. I know you you said the humor works for you, Nathan. It did not. <laughs> I, I liked Flash a lot. I think Ezra Miller's uh, a good Flash. Um, it really was like Ryan Reynolds. Literally Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. I, no, it was. It was. It was like... <laughs> The humor that didn't need to be there and was just thrown in there. I also thought the dialogue was super awkward. He didn't make one dick joke in there. (laughs) I know he didn't, but like the humor was just so unkind. Like I don't care that you're a black hole film too. That's that's the other. I'm just saying in this movie it was just too much. The humor was just too much. I love if if you're if you're trying to fight the world, you know. I mean, right? It just wasn't for me. I'm not saying everything worked with the humor aspect. I'm just saying I didn't no. cringe at every joke. Birds of Prey humor was far, 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 far worse, in my opinion, than the humor in this. I'm I, I didn't, like, laugh my ass off during this. I'm just saying no. I didn't cringe at everything like I did in Birds of Prey. Um, and something that I think, and maybe I set myself up for failure, and maybe Nathan and I have been kinder to rewatches. We've talked about this in the past. But something that I think I set myself up for failure slightly is that I haven't seen any of the other DCEU movies. So I had to watch like a, like a preview of like everything you need to know before you watch Justice League. And I was still kind of like confused. Like there were the boxes and I wasn't know if you were supposed to know what that meant and all that. But I don't think they did a good job with, with introducing somebody who had never seen it. Yeah, I am. Uh, I think we're all pretty much in agreement. Uh, it was not, it was not good. Like it was, um, yeah, I can, I can understand if you're, if you say like, uh, it wasn't as bad as people made it out to be. Uh, <laughs> but I, I'm sorry. I, I, I mean, this movie was shit on a shingle to be perfectly honest with you. You could just, as it, as it went on, you could just see that, uh, decisions were made that didn't, that one didn't need to be made and that two like contradicted with the, the story, the director's vision, just so many things were thrown in. It seemed like last minute and, and they, they just didn't make sense. Uh, like, but like there were some, there were some great things. Uh, Wonder Woman's opening scene where she saves the hostages from the terrorists. That was yeah. awesome. Like- That was good. Yeah, that was awesome. Would have been uh, over quickly, but-
I don't believe it. What are you? A believer. Uh, and and that's literally where it ends. Um, we did not discuss uh, what Supermouth, I guess uh, <laughs> is what we'll call it. Uh, that was horror movie esque. <laughs> like like for, that. For those that don't know what Phoenix <laughs> is talking about, um, Henry Cavill, who played Superman, was also shooting Mission Impossible Fallout. The same is that is that the name of it? Yeah, yeah. He 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 was shooting a Mission Impossible movie at the same time that DC called him back and said we want Superman in the movie, and he said that's great. There's one problem. I have this mustache for Mission Impossible, and I can't shave it because we're shooting we're that movie, and I need the mustache. And they're like, oh, don't worry, we're like CGI over it, and the CGI over it is awful, and it makes his lips look like he's a fish. So. Um, <laughs> There's there's a little context for you if you're not sure what we're talking about. Oh my god, it's awful. It it like you see it immediately and it's the most terrifying thing you'll ever see. And they do their best to try to like pull the camera off of him a bit at times so like you you don't see many close-ups of it, but once you see it, man, it's there. It's there forever. <laughs> it's so it and I'm like and like the scene when he comes back and he confronts Batman and all that and like it's even worse then because it's like He's trying to be really dramatic, and you just can't help but like, like, oh, uh, it. it, yeah, it's it's <laughs> awful, it's horrendous. You won't let me live. You won't let me die. The world needs you. Does it need you? Tell me. Now that that is honestly a minor point, because there was much worse things going on in this movie than that. Um, first off, you're right, Nick. The the motherboards is it's it was sloppy. Now, granted, if you read the uh, Justice League comic books, <coughs> the story of Steppenwolf, it's you know it. But again. If you're making a movie, I shouldn't need like reference materials for your movie. You're supposed to pretty much bring that up in the movie. Um, I think they spent an inordinate amount of time building the team because we we know who the Justice League is. Like, like I I, I don't need a backstory for every character. Just get the Justice League. Uh, they you spent know, a lot of time getting the band back together. Yeah, and and I'm like, and personally, I feel like you should that should have been done in previous movies instead of waiting till you do the justice league movie to to build the team together go ahead nate what do you want to say man first of all um <laughs> the literal first okay a lot of what we're going to talk about with the problems of this film involves studio interference yeah the studio came down and said we want to be like the avengers we want to do this you so must you do this and part of that is the two-hour runtime literally literally the team is building for an hour yeah in a two-hour film so you have the entire justice league bringing superman back to life fighting stefan wolf finding the boxes all in one hour and that's so cramped if it was a four-hour film like we're gonna get if it was a three and a half hour film building the team for an hour would be perfectly fine but because the studio interfered like that it's horrible 
Now, something that the studio didn't interfere with is the worst scene I have ever seen in my entire life is in please, this please movie. Say the Aqu- please say the Aquaman scene. No. Please say I, Batman. First of all, first of all, please say I, Batman. First of all, I hate Aquaman, so we'll, we'll, we'll get to that another time. But um, the worst scene I've ever seen in my entire life is when they're literally fighting to get the um, one motherboard box. And like I said, I've seen this, like, I saw this a few months ago, so it's a little foggy. If I mess up the scene a little bit, I, my apologies. But when they're fighting for the one motherboard box and in, like, the city metro area, and it goes flying and it just hits the car and sits yep. there and no one goes and gets it like we've been fighting for this thing we know it's importance it's right over there we're just gonna let and then the dude and, and just do nothing that is the I worst li- i literally I thought that ever it, seen i literally saw that i was like aren't is anybody gonna get that like no um, one goes and picks it up no one that is of all the movies i have ever seen of all the trash movies i have ever seen that is by far the worst scene i have ever seen <laughs> how about the looks on their faces when steppenwolf gets and just disappears they're like oh we were supposed to grab that <laughs> like these these this is the justice league these are the biggest <laughs> heroes of all time in that universe and they're so dumb that they can't even go pick that shit up are you kidding me I what think, i think if this was they- football they'd be fired I think their their thought process was Superman is is the greatest threat known to anything, so everything else uh, pales in comparison. Don't worry about the teleporting demon. Yeah, I would love to see the script and how that was written before they actually shot it. Like, box sits there, no one gets box. Like a few pages later, box box gets taken. Everyone acts surprised. What? Who? Chris Terrio, what are you doing? Uh, going back to to what we talked about before, the pacing is so bad, too. Um, oh, I God, think it's awful. <laughs> I, I liked last, last episode, we talked about um, Ben Affleck as Bruce Wayne. And I said that I think um, Ben Affleck is personally the best Bruce Wayne, although he's a crap Batman, in my opinion. I really liked him going out and recruiting the team. The Aquaman scene is really awkward. It really is awkward. Um, but I still like seeing Batman in that leadership role, going out and saying, let's recruit this team, going out and recruiting Flash. Um, see, although those scenes might have problems, I think that's some of the best Bruce Wayne stuff. Um, kind of tying into that, Bruce being a leader, when they're first fighting Steppenwolf and like that first scene when they're in, I don't know where they are, but they're in that really dark area. Maybe it's a really dark building or warehouse or something. And Flash is like, I've never really been in a fight before or a fight that I can't handle, whatever he says. And um, Bruce is like, just rescue one person. Yeah. I, I think, personally, I think that's some great stuff. Like, that's that's leadership. That's showing that um, Flash, it, it helps his character arc overall in a really shitty movie where not a lot of people get a lot of char- good character moments. I think that's a great little interaction. And, yeah, this movie is crap, but I think that little moments like that aren't talked about enough. That is, yeah, I agree with that. That that is a really good moment, and it sucks because it's 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 buried in such a shitty movie. <laughs> like everything around it is like so bad. And like if you had a few more of those moments, uh, Bruce, like of, of Ben Affleck as Bruce Wayne, just leading the the team, and and you know having having that mentality, uh, like 
I've always said the reason, and this is, I told Jeremy this, the reason that I liked Ben Affleck as Batman is if you've ever seen the Justice League animated cartoon, that's the Batman that he plays. He plays this very almost, almost comedic, but not really, but still very serious uh, character who knows that he's pretty much partially silly for being a billionaire who dresses as a bat and fights crime. So like, that's, that's what I dug about Ben Affleck as Bruce Wayne. And that part is still written into his character, but you're right, like they don't get a lot of great character moments in this, in this movie. And, and I think one thing that also really pains me as a big Batman fan is just the incredibly ridiculous inclusion of Jim Gordon in this story played by the fantastic J.K. Simmons, yeah. incredible actor. You get a talent like that and you use him for like a minute. Why, what, why is he even in the story at that point? Jim Gordon's literal role in this movie is to stand on top of a building and like be in awe of the Justice League and be like, wow, you guys got a lot of heroes. All right, see you later. Like, why, 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 why was that a scene? Why couldn't like the director play that role? Why'd they hire J.K. Simmons? I don't know. I don't know. That was such a waste for me. So I, I'd also like to talk about some performances that really bugged me too. Um, I think that, first of all, I, it, it has to start with Amy Adams. Amy Adams, very Why? talented actress. Why? Definitely, definitely one of the best actresses working in Hollywood right now. She's fantastic in so many <coughs> films, um, including Man of Steel. She's, she's a standout in that. But in BVS and this, she is so over-the-top annoying that I wanted to throw my phone through the TV every time <laughs> she opened her mouth. Um, she was so obnoxious. I'm sorry. Phoenix, you completely disagree. It looks No, like. no, I completely agree. <laughs> oh, okay. Thank oh, you. Yeah. She yeah. was as, as strong of a character as Lois Lane is supposed to be. She is so whiny and bitchy oh, yes. and like, give me attention, <laughs> Superman. Oh my God, you're fighting. I want attention. It's so obnoxious and it's it, it pains me to say that because amy adams is such a great actress and she's so talented but i really could not stand her in bvs or this and um another performance i'd like to talk about is jason momoa as aquaman mm. i think he kind of has i want to compare him to thor a little bit as far as how they're written because in the first thor movies he's so shakespearean He's never jokes at all. He's so dry and sarcastic. But then you look at like Thor Ragnarok and Avengers Infinity War and he's just the most cracked out jokey guy on the planet. And of course that's a character arc, but Aquaman in this movie is just such a dick. And like, <laughs> don't, don't waste my time by talking to me. I got to protect my fish. Like he's so lame. And in the little bit that he does get some lines, he's such a jerk. And oh. then- and then wait real, real quick. And then when you see the Aquaman movie, I know we're talking just talking justice here, but then when you go see the Aquaman movie, he's like complete slapstick Ryan Reynolds type humor. And it's like, what just happened? You, you had like a one movie transformation. I, I don't know. I, I didn't like Aquaman. I didn't like Amy Adams in this movie at all. So I'm curious. Uh, we, we've, we've gone and, raked uh justice league through the coals so what were what are your expectations now for uh zach snyder's justice league so let me let me uh talk about the snyder cut exactly what it is for our listeners that are maybe unfamiliar with it so 
Justice League was directed by Zack Snyder, the same guy that directed Man of Steel and BVS. This was his trilogy. Um, from the beginning, there was a lot of studio dictation, like we talked about. It had to be under two hours. We wanted more humor, like the Avengers. First of all, that's not Zack Snyder's style. You know, every director has a certain style, no matter what that is, no matter who that is. Zack Snyder's is not humor. He's more of a dark director. That's just who he is, and that's not for everyone. But the studio, Warner Brothers, said, we want to be like the Avengers. We want it to be funny. Do this. So when they're filming, Zack Snyder, unfortunately, has some type of tragedy within the family or within his personal life come up. So he had to leave. But Warner Brothers said, you know, we want to keep this running, keep it at production. So they hired uh, Joss Whedon, who did direct the Avengers, to come in and replace him. So Joss Whedon didn't necessarily use his vision because it was the studio's vision. The studio just told Joss Whedon to do everything. And he kind of just did what he was told. That's why when we talk about the Justice League, I don't necessarily blame Joss Whedon as much. I just blame Warner Brothers. Um, but <coughs> Zack Snyder is still technically the director because I guess they used like over 50% of what he shot. And then before Justice League even came out, Snyder said, look, I'm not comfortable calling this my movie. This is, they didn't let me carry out my vision. They didn't let me do what I wanted to do. I am not comfortable calling this my movie. Please don't associate me with this. But his name is still on the title. It's directed by him. The movie bombed, obviously, has a ton of problems. And he came out and said, like, this isn't my movie. This is only about one fourth of what I would have done. Um, and the cast had, the cast obviously working with him had known that he could put together a better film because they had shot numerous scenes for that. And then the cast was like, yeah, let, let's see what Snyder can do with his cut. Let's see the director's cut. Let's see Snyder's vision with no studio interference. And that's when release the Snyder cut got a lot of momentum. And for years now, years, people have been release the Snyder cut, release the Snyder cut on Twitter. It, it, it started off as a slow movement, but it's gotten huge. And then earlier last week finally announced that the Snyder Cut will be coming to HBO Max in 2021. They are giving Zack Snyder $30 million to finish it. I don't Damn. think there will be I don't think there will be any reshoots or anything because a lot of those actors have moved on to new roles, but they're gonna finish up some some graphics and some CGI and clean it up overall. But the film that's coming to HBO Max is either going to be a four hour film or a six part series um and we'll talk about which we prefer out of those but apparently snyder is known for a year and has kept it under wraps that this is what was going to happen because that's how powerful this release the snyder cut movement has been so that's coming to hbo max in 2021 we're finally going to get to see his vision and even if it absolutely bombs it's a monumental day because this empowers the audience and shows us that a studio will listen to the audience if there's enough if there's enough momentum number one and enough cause you know if if we put enough momentum to release the abrams cut for rise of skywalker that wouldn't happen because the situation is so much different than what happened with this with with studio interference and with um snyder leaving so that's about the snyder cut i'll shut up for a little bit because of that ramble and let these guys talk so what, what are your thoughts on that you know, something that I always talk about with Nathan is that some stories are meant to be told in TV shows and some stories are better fit for movies. 
you know, that's just how it is. You know, um, the Avengers, I think that's a special scenario because it's over many different years. Um, so to answer the, the question, I think I'd rather have it in a six part episode TV show, just, just on, on how much they'll have to add on how much will have to be modified just because of how shit the original movie was compared to the overarching villain or vision of Zack Snyder. So I, the, the six part TV show. Uh, I did not know that he exited with only a fourth of, of shots. That's a, I mean, or they only use like a fourth of the shots that he did for the movie. So like, it's, it's, it's a little convoluted with what exactly is going on because he's still technically the director because uh, as opposed to Joss Whedon, because it's like over 50% of his shots, but then Snyder himself says it's only one fourth of what I did. So it's a little convoluted with what exactly is going on and how much is actually his, but regardless, it's not his even close to his vision. And that, because that, that was, yeah, like that was something I was confused about because I was like, how exactly, uh, how exactly are they going to do this movie with, uh, like, I, I was like, I was curious because I was like, I wasn't sure how they could make it better because I'm like, so much of right. it is done and I'm like, uh, I, I like, I, it looked, it, like, I don't know where you could make improvements because it was so bad without doing reshoots. And I don't know, 30 million is enough to do uh, research, uh, to do reshoots with. But uh, as far as I know, I know both Henry Cavill and Ben Affleck have said that they are okay with returning. So if they're going to do said that. new shots, uh, I, I mean, I, I'm looking forward to it. But I'm genuinely curious if they won't have to delay it further or scrap it and reshoot entirely. I mean, that's my thing, too, is that do, have either of you seen um, El Camino, the Breaking Bad movie? Yeah, I've not seen it. No. Okay. Todd and that, I forget the actor's name, but Todd in the series Breaking Bad was like this skinny young guy and then in El Camino he's put on a bunch of weight he has like all this facial hair he looks completely different and Nathan will be able to to back me up on this is that it it looks like a completely different person because it's been so many years and obviously with Justice League coming out in 2017 there's not like dramatic changes you don't really age you know that drastically in three years so I'd be interested to see like what they do with reshoots and everything Jeremy, what about you? Well, given what Nathan said, what I know about, I mean, I'm gonna, I'm gonna loosen up my hating on Zack Snyder for a little bit <laughs> um, to see the Snyder cut. Now, if HBO like is doing what they're doing, I feel that given the length that Snyder's trying to do and probably the amount of content my man's trying to pack into this, I feel like it should be better in a series format, kind of like Band of Brothers. Band of Brothers was mm. a ten-part series. Um, I think that might be a little bit better uh, format to be like, hey, here's six parts. Enjoy these six parts. You know, that way you're not watching it all at once, sitting there four hours like, damn, what the hell? But, um, I mean, yeah, I, I would, I'm interested to see what Snyder does, what his full vision is. And 
given what I know now, Warner Brothers is definitely to blame for this flaming pile of dog poo. <laughs> for me, I love that you mentioned Band of Brothers because I love that show. Oh, man. That's such a good show. I I have that I have that on DVD like over over there, and it's just Great such series. a good show. I always go back to it. I always watch. You know, couple. So that's so good. For me, right? I would rather, um, I'd rather have the four-hour cut. To be honest with you, I need know that that's such that's <laughs> such a long time. But but listen, I know Nick said it earlier. TV shows are written as TV shows, TV shows. to give you. Yeah, they're, they're written for those little 40-minute segments, those hour segments, whatever it is, to lead you into the next episode to keep playing. We've had so much studio interference, as is with this specific film. Why would you do that? Just think of, I think it'd be really difficult and kind of awkward to, like, break it up if you're mandating, like, each one has to be 45 minutes, each one has to be 35 minutes, whatever it is. I feel like that'd be so awkward for the storytelling and – Part of what makes TV shows successful is that they're written in those little segments. And I don't think you can break it up like that for Justice League. And even if you are a big supporter of the six episodes, the studio's already interfered so much. Why? why? Like, we've made this big push to finally get what we want, finally get Snyder's vision. Why are you still trying to control what it is? Just let it be what it is. But it doesn't have to be like it's not written for a TV show. That doesn't mean that it you know is broken into like a a cliffhanger ending. There's there's times where you're watching a movie and you're like, all right, I got this is a good stopping point. I'm gonna pause it to go pop popcorn, go to the bathroom, or whatever. Like that's how it could be cut. Different studio. Yeah. I see what you're saying with that for sure, but in my mind, that's what would make it awkward. Like if there is no cliffhanger. If it is just that moment where it's like, oh, okay, that's cool. Now it's a down scene after a fight scene. Let's pause it. Like, I think that's where the awkwardness lies for cutting it that way. Like, cutting a movie into a TV show, I just think they're written so differently that it would be awkward making transitions into episodes and stuff like that. But it's not really a TV show episode. It would be more or less a break from the series. It's a movie format, just like how Band of Brothers, they play off each other and the continuing episodes. Yeah, and plus you don't have to watch it like a TV show. You could just watch it like three and then stop and then three. But Phoenix, go ahead. Yeah, no, um, crap, I forgot my point. Um, Uh I'm with Nate on this. Like, I do think I I would much prefer a four-hour cut, like, especially because, like, look, a binging, like, if this was four – like or six i'm sorry six one hour episodes of a show you could still binge that right you could totally still binge that but like if it's a four hour movie if i want to take a break in in the middle of watching that i can do that as well i would just rather it be straight through so that you know i just get the whole story as opposed to waiting like and i also don't i don't I don't think they're releasing it all at once. I think they're releasing it weekly. So if they're doing it that way, mm-hmm. that that's going to be super annoying. And also uh, what you said about studio interference, uh, if if it, they do uh, go with the six-part release, that means this is something that Zack Snyder also agreed to. So if he is rewording, reworking it and rewriting it, and they've had over a year to to – 
you know, he's known for a year at least. So he's probably reworked it to where it works better that way. But again, I'm with you. I would still want the four hour cut. So <clears throat> why don't you guys give me one thing that you want to see changed in the Snyder cut that we maybe haven't talked about yet or haven't touched too deeply on yet. Um, one thing you want to see different in the Snyder cut. Better attention to detail. Being interested. I, I want to be interested in this. Uh, for me, uh, you got to – I hope he does I, – I, I want the Justice League to mean something. That was the only thing that I, I didn't get from this one was, like, the league itself doesn't represent anything – you know what I'm saying? Like, even like that last scene where they're, they're looking at their headquarters and they're like, oh, we're going to have this, you know, long table with six chairs and they're like, we're gonna you know what I'm saying? Seats. Like, room for more. And I was like, okay, that to me is like, that's the importance of the Justice League is that they are this band of heroes who protect, you know, different elements of, of their worlds and their planets and things like that. And to me, it was just, it, it felt so small scale. So that, that's the only thing. I hope that they up the scale in, in Zack Snyder's. I want justice for Cyborg, too. They like, Yeah, right? Cyborg yeah, was the shit. They kind of half-assed his, like, backstory yeah. with his dad experimenting on him. Yeah, I really dug that character. They mm -hmm. completely, completely half-assed it. And with, like, Wonder Woman trying to recruit him, and he's like, you'll never understand – I mean, that's something that I definitely want to dive into more, but it was kind of like the flip of a switch. Like, no, I'm, I'm a lone wolf. Don't, don't come after me to join the justice league. Oh wait, I'm here. Like we need, <laughs> we need more justice for cyborg. That's what I want. Yeah. That was, he's a good character. Yeah. What's good. What's good. What's good. What's good, what's good, what's good? Gentlemen, I know we probably didn't get a lot of movie watching in this week, but even if you know of something that you didn't watch but you thought was great, uh, let's hear some recommendations for our fans out there. What is, what's good? So what do you have? Uh, Nate, I'll start with you. What would, what would you recommend? For sure. So speak for yourself on that one. I had a great week of watching movies. Uh, you know, uh, while the rest of you guys are out here working, I'm sitting at home. Hey, no, regardless. Um, Netflix movies, known for being ridiculously trash. Um, obviously, when they put the effort in, when they attempt to make a marriage story or an Irishman or two popes, it works out really well. But um, a majority of Netflix movies are awful. 99 times they throw the dart at the dartboard. It does not stick. Um, <laughs> but I tried out Hogar or The Occupant on Netflix. It is a Spanish film. You can dub it in English or you can watch it with the subtitles. It does not have great reviews. Um, it has a 2.9 on Letterboxd right now. I'm not familiar with what it has on Rotten Tomatoes. Either way, um, I loved this. Right now, this is my best movie of 2020, better than The Invisible Man, better than The Way Back. It definitely has spices of, oh my God, Phoenix, the way you're looking at me right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, it definitely has spices of Parasite. Um, I don't think it's anywhere near as good as Parasite, but 
definitely if you're a big fan of Parasite, the way of how that story unfolded, check this one out. This is a great story. It had me on the edge of my seat several times. Forewarning, it does start pretty slow. So if you're able to get through the first 45 minutes or so, trust me on it. The ending is fantastic. Uh, the occupant, Hogar, if you watch it, let me know. Um, check this one out for sure. Sweet. All right. Nick, what about you? Um, so I'm going to go with a movie that I thought was a 2020 release. And if it was a 2020 release, probably would be my best movie of the year so far. It's called Bad Education. It's with Hugh Jackman, Alex and Janie Romano, Alex Wolf. It has a pretty good cast. Uh, with me being a big fan of biopics, this was right up my alley. And it was that kind of movie that the less you knew about it, the better the ending was for you. Um, it tells the story of a superintendent who has a, a drive to, you know, fix up this, this school district in, I believe, New York, um, played by Hugh Jackman and other movies that I've watched this year. And the, the cool thing behind it is that um, the screenwriter, I think it's Mike Mikowski is how you pronounce his last name. He was actually a part of the school system where this uh, what, what would you call it, like a, a scandal took place. Um, so he was actually in the, the school system living in the area when all this, all this went down. Um, so definitely a, a good recommend on that one. I, uh, I had heard about Bad Education. I thought, it, I thought it was coming out last year too, but it, uh, it actually mm -hmm. did come out this year. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was like the International Film Festival. Yeah, it was like the, the TIFF um, debut right, in September right. and then so, but a lot of people have it on their 2020. Right, I got to check that one out. All right, Jeremy, what about you? What do you recommend? Uh, actually, I have not seen a new movie this week, my bad, but I did go back to the classics, man. I watched Spaceballs, Mel Brooks. <laughs> <laughs> Freaking love that movie. I bet she gives great helmet. <laughs> Come on, that's such a good movie. Y'all gotta watch it, man. I love it when they're combing the desert. You found anything? We ain't found shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh like, man. Uh, such I love Mel Brooks. Like Mel Brooks is like definitely one of my favorites. I mean, God rest him. But uh okay, one of the movies that I got around to seeing finally. Uh, it came out last oh, year, uh, was a fantastic movie, got great reviews, unfortunately didn't get any awards recognition, but uh, it's this movie called Clemency, stars mm. Alfred Woodard and uh, Aldous Hodge. Uh, Aldous Hodge was also in uh, The Invisible Man. He played the uh, cop. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, fantastic movie. Uh, like, and, and I'll tell you what's crazy about it is for the majority of the runtime it'll it it it's building this character and it's it's Alfred Alfred Woodard's character is being built through the majority of the runtime and the story is sort of uh like it's slow it's a very slow story but when it comes to the ending all of a sudden everything is put into place and that's one of my favorite kind of character dramas is where you you you're lurking for the the meaning and you're 
waiting for something to happen. And then when it does happen, it sort of places everything uh, into focus. So that was that was one of the better movies, I think, of uh, 2019. And unfortunately, didn't get a lot of recognition. But I would definitely recommend you guys check it out. Clemency starring Alfre Woodard. So for our recommendations, run it back uh, once again. We got Clemency, Spaceballs, uh, <laughs> Bad Education, Bad Education, and I what was it The Occupant. The Occupant. Yeah, The Occupant. All right. So that's Netflix, HBO, Prime, and wherever you can possibly find Spaceballs. I have no idea where you Everywhere. Find your local <laughs> library. Your local yeah. library. Because <laughs> oh. they're all closed. What's right. that? Whoa, whoa. Local li- Are we saying that that movie is too old? What's going on here? Yes. <laughs> I feel dissension in the ranks. Whoa, Nathan. Nathan, I'm going to educate you, sir. Sir, you wait. We're going to get educated. Uh, all, I'm saying, all I'm saying is the one time I watched Spaceballs was from a DVD from the library. That's that's. that's did you I'm return saying. it? Of course I did. Game on you. Of course I did. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> I'm trying to bring my library out of business. Nathan, I'm, Nathan, I will buy you that movie. If it comes down, I'll, I'll do that for you. Yeah, I, I got you. Yes. I got you. I got Thanks you. Thanks so much. All right. <laughs> All right. So, what's good? What's good? What's good? Uh, want to get into our discussion this week? Uh, I again feel that I am going to be the odd man out, but we shall see. <laughs> no, you won't. No, you won't. I uh, promise you won't. <laughs> uh, I promise you will. Let's go. So, no, no. I'm going to be the odd man out. I know it because Jeremy hasn't seen it. And I know what Nathan has to say about it. So I know what Phoenix has to say about it. I know the guy. I mean, I know the history of the dude. So I can Let's get into it, baby. Let's go. Let's do it. All right. We're talking about the 10-part docu-series, The Last Dance. It uh, just recently ended. So all 10 episodes are out now. I'm in North Carolina. Uh. It is, of course, the documentary detailing the six championships won by the Chicago Bulls and their dominance from, what, 1990 to 1998. Like, ridiculous. Six titles in eight years. Ridiculous. It's disgusting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, what I want to know what you guys' uh, first impressions were. Uh, like, all overall, ten, 10 episodes, what did you think? And then we'll break them down. <laughs> Go ahead, go ahead. I'll go. I'll go first. Um, you know, I know exactly what Nathan has to say about it, and I'm here to dispute that before he even opens his mouth <laughs> that he's wrong. So, so, being able to go back and watch this series, I actually Nathan and I joked about this. I started it at four o'clock in the afternoon, and I finished it at two thirty in the morning. I watched all all ten episodes straight. It's fantastic, just just to say the least. It's uh, it was on yesterday. Um, fantastic. Um, I loved learning about Scotty Pippen, especially Dennis Rodman. Uh, that was a huge surprise. That third episode where he they talk about him, I thought it was fantastic. He was such a cool character in this whole place to learn about when he was with the Bad Boys in Detroit. I thought it was fantastic how they had. My, 
you know, Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, you know, that's with Kobe Bryant, all these huge names. And I know we'll probably get into it with him versus LeBron. Um, and I'll, I'll hold my, my reservations on, on that as well. Um, but I, I thought it was fantastic. End to end, great stuff. I loved how it was flashing back and forth. I know that what one of Nathan's things is that towards the end, it got a little too flashing back and forth, which, which I do agree with. Um, but I loved how they, they followed along with that last title run and all the, the turmoil, so to speak, with, with that last championship run. And it was cool to learn all the behind the scenes. But a lot of these negatives take away now. <laughs> Nate? So for me, right, I'm not going to sit here and shit on it. I think Nick has a false perception of my thoughts on this. It's a good, it's a good docuseries. It's a good one. It, I'm, I'm not saying it's bad by any means. My biggest issue with it was it didn't draw me into the next one. It was so bland. And look, we started off watching it um, when it originally aired. I watched this with my dad. We had a great time. Uh, doing this together as a father-son activity. But at the same time, I just, I, I couldn't stay interested for the whole two hours. It didn't keep my attention, especially that like 1030 to 11, that last half hour when they aired it, I was like, oh my God, please just end. <laughs> and it didn't keep my attention. So we started to record it, right? We would record it and just watch it on our own time. And even then it'd be like, uh -huh. you want to watch The Last Dance? No, nah, I want to, <laughs> no, nah, let's, let's watch something else. Nah. We ended up watching the last three last night. And I will say that the last three episodes, eight, nine, and 10, were really good. Um, I, th those, I think those are easily the best three. I was blown away. It was wonderful, wonderfully directed. The way that those ones ended and left you on a cliffhanger into the next one, especially one of them was like Reggie Miller saying like, I thought we could take them. And then it ends. I was like, wow, that's great. Um, those three were great. The first seven, I thought, I just didn't have any motivation to move on to the next one. That's all. I'm not saying they were bad. I'm not saying I didn't learn something. I just did not have the motivation to say, yes, let's go. Let's click the next one. I didn't. One thing that I can really appreciate about this series, though, is it wasn't all about Michael Jordan. Yes, it's a Jordan documentary, but they didn't just absolutely pound the shit out of Michael Jordan. I loved that they told stories of Isaiah Thomas. They told stories of Steve Kerr, of Jordan's security guard, whose name escapes me. But nonetheless, they told stories of Jordan's brothers. Like, I love that they did all these stories about his teammates and the people that personally affected his life. Those stories were almost more interesting than Michael's, to be honest with you, because to me, those stories weren't biased. And that's okay because it is a story about Michael Jordan. So you're not going to show his bad games. You're not going to show his faults. You're not going to show his, I mean, his uh, valleys, but with those other folks he did, and it felt more real in that aspect. And then to me too, I really loved hearing Michael's one-on-one -on -one interviews himself. I thought it was sweet when he was just drinking his, you know, whiskey or whatever he had next to him, like just so casually. Um, yeah. I, I loved his one-on-one -on -one little interviews there. Um, but that was really to, to me the biggest issue was it wasn't binging it wasn't binge worthy it I don't think it needed to be ten parts I think it could have been seven or six um, that's that's my complaint with it. it it wasn't bad by any means but I definitely don't see how it's setting the world on fire just just to add something real quick 
before Phoenix gets into it, talking about the one-on-one interviews, something that I think they should do in all documentaries now is show the person the other person's response to it and get their response. There were a couple times where they sh- had a video of maybe it was Jerry Russendorf or Horace Grant or somebody, and they had him on tape saying something, and they showed Michael, and I thought that was that was great. But go ahead, go ahead, Phoenix. I'm- yeah, yeah. Just to just to play off of that, that was great, especially when he uh, he laughed at uh, Gary Payton. I thought that was absolutely hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, a lot of people backed down the bike. I didn't. I made it a point. I said, just tire him out. Tire the f- out of him. You just gotta tire him out. And I kept hitting him and then banging him and hitting him and banging him. It took a toll on Mike. It took a toll, and then <laughs> resting him a little bit, and then the, the, the series changed. And I wish I could have did it earlier. I don't know if the outcome would have been different, but it, it, it was a difference <laughs> and, and beating him down a little bit. The glove. I had no problem with the glove. I had no problem with Gary Payton. Uh, but, uh, who? Uh, I disagree with Nate. I actually found the last three episodes to be incredibly annoying and the first seven to actually be more compelling. Um, and the reason why is because I do think this was a, a, a focused effort to put a lot of energy into Michael Jordan. This, this feels very much like, like it's not a Bulls documentary. Like this is a Michael Jordan documentary. And, uh, and that, that's pretty much where I took issue with it because like the first three episodes, they, they, the uh, first four episodes actually. So it's Mike obviously kicks it off. Then it's Scotty then it's Rodman. Then it's Phil Jackson. I was like, Hey, okay. I like this. This is, this is actually talking about the entire organization. I dug that. And then it, it went right back to Michael. <laughs> like, you know, there were, there were blips. There was the Steve Kerr stuff. There was the Isaiah Thomas stuff. Uh, which I thought was was great, and I agree. Added definitely more character and more color to the uh, to the documentary. But yeah, like this MJ per, is pervasive over this entire thing, which on one hand you could say is is obvious. I mean, greatest player of all time. If you do a documentary about him or even around him, he's gonna be a central focus at some point. Um, but yeah, and and me personally, I I I know that Michael Jordan said at the start of this, he was like, people aren't going to people might think differently of me uh after this. And uh I gotta say, dude, dude is a major asshole, bro. Like, like he's a major asshole. Like, I mean, obviously, you know, respect, you know, six championships. I can't argue with you, but dude was a dick, man. Like like he was a, he was a real dick. Uh, at least at I least. I think Scotty like, came out and and said that they focused too heavily on those. I think Scotty came out and said that. Yeah. But he, but I agree. They they made him look bad in some of those. Episodes. He definitely they definitely like. Maybe this is like how Jordan actually is, or maybe it's how the documentary perceived him to be, but either way, the way that we are looking at him is he took offense to everything everything but like some of the things that he'd be like so i took it personally 
was such bullshit. Like, <laughs> it'd be like, they'd be like, hey, Mike, we're, uh, he'd be like, oh, yeah, well, uh, Steve Kerr shot some free throws after practice to, to get better, and he didn't invite me. So I took it personally. Like, oh, okay, dude, come, come, really? Come on. <laughs> like, some of the stuff that he got offended over was such tacky shit. And look, like I said, I get it. I get wanting to be motivated. I get needing to flip the switch. But some of the shit that he was doing was like, I, I, didn't, I didn't care for it. And like I said, maybe that's who he is. Maybe that's how the documentary perceived it. And I think something that captivated me, um, you know, not being alive during this time, is when they went to Paris for the preseason tournament. And, you know, people were swarming Michael Jordan and, and the Bulls. And even throughout the, the series when, you know, he'd just be in public and people would swarm him and, you know, all those crazy that in the days of no social and you know newspapers and probably not even mass internet access that there was such a big star in Michael Jordan and people who probably didn't even like basketball or understand basketball or watch basketball knew who Michael Jordan was and I think that's something that we don't really see a lot of these days um, you know obviously a lot of people compare Michael Jordan and LeBron James because they're easily the two greatest players of all time and you know Michael Jordan and and you know LeBron have two different kind of off the court characteristics but something that you know at least I don't see from LeBron is this worldwide stardom even with how big basketball is in these days is just how big of a star Michael was I don't even see the leadership trait that Michael has that LeBron doesn't what that's foolishness. Uh, hey, I'm going to say it flat out. LeBron is garbage, in my opinion. Oh, oh, okay. Well, we're going to no, uh, no. mute Jeremy now. No. So, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I disagree. Uh, uh, I definitely I – can, I can definitely see how they're both uh, strong leaders. But I agree that, like, you know, in the age of the Internet and with uh, social media, you know, part of – I think part of the anonymity of social media is just being able to disagree with everyone, regardless of whether that's your real feelings or not. So you just get people who are purposely antagonistic, uh, you know, towards, towards anyone who reaches even slightly the level of celebrity that a Michael Jordan uh, would have reached. Uh, but I agree. Yeah. Like there's a, there, it's it's going to be very hard for anyone to ever achieve that level of fandom, you know, universal mm -hmm. fandom. My favorite yeah. aspect, though, of this documentary was watching the uh, other teams and the and the uh, other fans of those those teams like like beg to like to to beat the Bulls. They were so like anti Bulls. And to me, that was great because I was like, when I when I grew up in that time, everyone I knew was pro Bulls. You know what I'm saying? Like we were mm -hmm. super happy for the Bulls, and yeah. uh, <laughs> but to see like like how these other teams like just hated them and wanted to beat them so bad, that was that was great to see. Like Utah, yeah. Utah freaking <laughs> hated Chicago. <laughs> that was great. And I think the sad thing too is that the NBA is such a totally different you know, and this is such a rabbit hole to get into, and I'll, I'll briefly touch on this because, you know, we could spend all day talking about it. 
but the NBA is such a different culture now. It's more about, you know, people are more fans of players than actual teams. Um, you know, like me, I love LeBron. So right now I'm big into the Lakers because of LeBron James. And, you know, I think a lot of people love to compare Michael Jordan versus LeBron James, and it's easy to, but you have to consider the fact that Michael Jordan played for I'll discard all the, the wizard years because those don't really <laughs> account in this story, but LeBron has played for three teams and he's won a championship with, with two of them. And there's such a movement around the NBA, Kevin Durant, Oklahoma city, and now golden state. And now he's on the nets and Kyrie with the Cavs, And now he's on the nets and, you know, Steph Curry and Clay Thompson, are they going to stay or leave? And there's just, such a back and forth with all these players going back and forth between all these teams that it's it's hard and I don't think it'll ever be done again with what Michael did with with the Bulls because nobody sticks around for eight years like that well and kind of touching on what you said at the beginning it was really interesting to to see the difference in how the NBA is now compared to how it was let's just look at simply the teams that we're really focused on in this documentary, you have the Bulls. They're trash now, and they've been trash yeah. for years. <laughs> the Knicks. The Knicks are probably the biggest dumpster fire in professional sports. The Hornets were really popular in an episode I watched last night. The Hornets have struggled for years. The Pistons have struggled for years. Um, the Pacers, they've, they're, they've been solid the last few years, but no playoff success. Same with the Jazz. They've been solid but haven't really gotten anywhere past the Western Conference semis so all these teams and the Orlando Magic throw them in there too who haven't had any success either it's really fascinating to see all these teams and be like wow they were especially because Nick and I weren't alive for this this era it's really fascinating to see like oh wow you know the Knicks were good we haven't seen that like ever (laughs) so overall let's just give like an overall we last last episode we gave an overall score for Tiger King. What's an overall score we're given for the the last dance? And Nick, you're all over it. Why don't you start? Um, I'll I'll say nine and a half. Um, if if this was a letterbox rating, it'd be five stars. No, you know what? Like nine point seven. We'll we'll say nine point seven. Don't there, change just because couple... Phoenix gave you a look. <laughs> no, no. This this is the thing. They were talking about Dennis Rodman in a couple of the episodes and when they were talking about Scotty Pippen in a couple of episodes, when you flashed forward to 1998, when they had the all access, you knew that they were there, you knew kind of their backstory. So it kind of got convoluted with the timelines, especially with those two that you were like, okay, I know that he was on the team then, but he was on the Pistons back in 93 and it it just kind of got like a little muddled in between with with those and and I think that in the end it kind of flashed back and forth a little bit too quickly it was kind of like a a snowball effect is that at the beginning it kind of slowly rolled through the years and then at the end it was like year 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 championship 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 versus like in the first couple episodes it covered you know like a, a little bit of time. So th- those are my only nitpicks. It'd be a five star on letterbox, but like a 9.7 ish. I'll say that. Very nitpicky thing. So. <laughs> uh, I cannot put it nearly that high. Uh, 
for me it, no for me <laughs> it was uh it was a it was a how can i put this i've seen 30 for 30 specials with uh better direction <laughs> that that's that's where i'd put it so for me it was solid and it was definitely an interesting story but i feel like there was less uh effort put into production and the the flashbacks and flash forwards things really sort of just made up for that so for me it's a solid seven that's that's where i'd put it i'm gonna go exactly right there with that phoenix i'm gonna say it's a seven out of ten um i never thought this was a bad documentary i never thought it was poorly constructed or anything like that i do think that it would have been better if they did it chronologically as opposed that way you get more of a character arc. I know like this is, was a real life and not a story, but you still get that arc from Dennis Rodman and from Phil Jackson mm-hmm. and Jerry Krause and stuff. And even for Michael too, you get that arc. And I feel like the moments with his, his dad dying and the moments where, you know, he retires to go play baseball. I think those moments would have hit a lot harder. Um, but I would have given it a seven. I think the last few episodes were really good. I love their commitment to, the interviewees with Obama and the players they got. I was really surprised with some of the people they got, honestly. Um, I loved that portion. But like Phoenix said, ESPN has done better work in the past with much smaller scale stories. And um, I just, I really did not understand the hype. Like I would wake up on Sunday mornings and see people on Twitter and they'd be like, oh, the last dance is on tonight. I'm so excited. Like it was never at that point for me. Um, It was enjoyable but it wasn't anything special. And um, that's just, that's my thoughts on it. Well, Jeremy, you have all that information. So when you get a chance, please let us know what you think of The Last Dance. All right. You are now listening to Film Code. Start. Nate, you had the uh, code word this week. Why don't you go ahead and let us remind us what that was and all of your clues. Sure. So just a reminder for what film code is, is each week one of us picks a movie and then we formulate a word that is associated with that movie. Let me just give an example. So if your movie was Iron Man, let's just say, your code word could be billionaire. So there you know, the code word's billionaire. They don't know that the movie is Iron Man. I just say, billionaire, here's some clues. They try to find the movie that's associated with that. They watch the movie. I watch the movie I'm thinking of. And then we review the movies that we watched and try to guess and see if that's right. So we'll go over it and then we'll see what everyone said. So my code word this week was intelligence and my clues were it was a comedy released from 2000 to 2010 so that decade the code word is intelligence but it's a synonym for intelligence so not thinking central intelligence or any of the movies like that if i actually use the code word that i'm thinking of it would have given it away um and the final clue was that a piano was very relevant in the final scene or the climax of this movie even though music doesn't really involve the movie in general um so those were my clues with that information these guys watched movies and tried to formulate the movie that i was thinking of so uh with that being said jeremy what what, what'd you watch 
So I think I got you on this one. All right. <laughs> I think I got it. At first, I was thinking Lucy, but that was beyond the time frame. So we're not going to worry about that. Then I started going back on my repertoire. I'm going to say Lost in Translation, bro. Mm. There's a piano in that whole mother and Toplessness and Bill Murray. I mean, it's a comedy. <laughs> Scarlett Johansson. Come on. Give me the credit. Well, uh, let's let's hear your review for that. What, what did you think? I liked it. I love Bill Murray. I mean, set in, what was it, Tokyo? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, shit. Sorry. What's his name? Bob Harris uh, plays the guy, the main character. And yeah, I haven't seen it in a while. I'm sorry. But uh, it's a good movie. I haven't. I love Scarlett Johansson, Bill Murray. Uh, I know it was directed by Sophia Coppola. I'm going to screw that Sophia name Sophia Coppola. Yeah. Coppola. Thank you. Yes. Yes. She's a good director. Um, and it's a, it's a funny movie. I mean, but I, well, I was thinking back like, piano 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 and i'm i'm playing this in my head and i'm like wait a minute and then i thought of bill murray so okay lost in translation is not it damn uh, it <laughs> good idea God um, damn. that's a film that that nick and i watched together a few months back i know I that, we, I, had that i know that we weren't the biggest fans of it necessarily that's kind of a weird one where you know you got this like 50 year old falling in love with this like 20 year old that i it that rubbed me the wrong way. I know it rubbed Nick the wrong way. I don't know. It, it could happen though. That's one of those films that we definitely don't see where everyone loves it. Uh, not a bad film by any means. Not a bad film, but just a average film for sure in in my mind. Um, so what, what are your what are your thoughts, real quick, on that, Nick? And no, it wasn't it. Damn it. <laughs> Uh, really on Lost in Translation or what my my yeah just well give give a quick thought on Lost in Translation. I I mean like Nathan and I like to watch Best Picture nominations. We have our our list on Letterbox, which I recommend. That's a a stacked stacked list, but it it just wasn't anything special. I agree. It, it was kind of it threw me off seeing Bill Murray go after Scarlett Johansson like that. And it just didn't have anything to do if you were bill murray you do it too yeah but the the age gap it's like yeah. they're promoting like they're promoting for you to go after women that are 30 years younger than you and that is not okay that is not okay um so yeah okay. and we, all right jeremy i know you got to get out of here man so just uh real quick let us let everybody know where they can find you and uh any other relevant information you want to share with the crowd I'm um, Jeremy. Uh, you can find me on Facebook, Film Codes on Facebook. I'm also on Twitter, Instagram, and uh, yeah, uh, I unfortunately have to go to work and make that bread. I'll be seeing you, Mr. Phoenix, a little bit later. Yeah. Um, and once again, thank you fans for reaching out and letting Phoenix know where Ben Affleck stands. <laughs> Thanks, Jeremy. <laughs> All right, Jeremy. Um, on that note, I will see y'all later. All right, man. Have fun at yeah. work. Okay. <laughs> All right. Nick, what was your guess for Nathan's uh, well, code word? We, we, we talked about this pre-show, um, how I know I'm not, not going to get it. <laughs> so with the category uh, 2000s to 2010, comedy, uh, you know, it, it, the list is long, intelligence. The list was long. My researching strategy go on letterbox do the filters that that correctly apply 
and just just kind of go through the list, see see if anything sticks out. I probably spent about 30 minutes doing it, and I saw probably like 50 Will Ferrell movies. Um, so if Will Ferrell's in it, I'm gonna be pretty upset. <laughs> um, but I chose a movie that kind of applied, not really, but it was a movie that Nathan and I have been talking about. It's called A Serious Man by mm. the Coen Brothers. And it's one of those movies where you didn't really enjoy it while you were watching it because of all these metaphysical life. People love this movie. I mean, I'm pretty sure it has a 3.8 on Letterboxd and it, it's, you know, Coen Brothers, so people obviously love it, but I just wasn't the biggest fan. I thought it was probably average at best. Um, I forget the the name of the the main character, but it's the father from favorite movies, Call Me By Your Name, which Nathan and I watched recently. And I just, I'm just not a big fan of those movies that have those deeper meetings that, you know, you can't see until you watch it. The Lighthouse was one of those with, with all the deeper meetings last year. And Donnie Darko. Donnie Darko. Yeah, I'm just not a big fan of those movies. And this was one of those. And like I said, I thought it was average at best, but I'm prepared for, for everybody to tell me how wrong I am. The, those movies where you won't understand it unless you look up the 20 minute explain video afterwards. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or unless you're like taking notes and, and looking into everything. Oh, there's a clock on the wall. What or or a Greek, <laughs> a Greek philosopher. And you're like, oh, that's a reference yeah, to exactly. Aries. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, no, but I know not, it's not it. It was not a serious man. Was there, was there even a piano in that film? There actually was, surprisingly. There was, um, all the music in the movie was piano. And there was a scene where he was dreaming and this guy was slamming him into a chalkboard and it was like getting slammed into piano keys. So I had high hopes, like going into the third act, that there may be a piano, but there never was. And I, <laughs> I knew like halfway through that it wasn't going to be right. I even knew like taking it that it wasn't going to be right. I was just tired of searching, and I was getting frustrated. <laughs> so <laughs> overall, what 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 score would you give it? I'm torn between B minus and C plus, which is two and a half stars or three stars for me. Um, just not my thing i'm really disappointed i've seen two coen brothers films and i'm trying to watch more and both of the the ones that i've seen are not good so i don't know you you were hyping up hail caesar when we watched it because you were shitting on it like <laughs> i was shitting on it i was shitting on it hail caesar i gave it two and a half stars which you know is, is by no stretch of the imagination in a good movie in my mind but i i thought it like you said about um, Justice League, I think you were hating on it for for too for too too much too much. Um, Phoenix, you are very confident in <laughs> this pick, so I kind of hope you're right. Um, but I, I hope he's not. I pre, think it'd be hilarious. Pre-show, you were you were on yeah. it. You're like, I know what it is. I'm yeah. confident. I'm ready. So let's hear it, brother. Okay. What you got? So movie that I went into, and the reason I chose this movie was because it it fit comedy intelligence. Uh, 20, 2000 to two, 2010. Like if I if I left out the piano clue, this would have totally been it. This totally would have been it. And the movie that I chose and that I finally, finally watched because it was on my list is Legally Blonde. 
that is what I thought it was because I was like, intelligence, well, obviously, you know, he said a synonym, I'm going with blonde, like, because blonde isn't typically uh, used with intelligence, but I was like, he can't say, like, the actual word, so I was like, okay, maybe that's what he's going for. Uh, it was like 2001, and, uh, and it was a comedy, so I'm like, yeah, this perfectly fits, and I was just spending the entire movie hoping that a piano showed up at the end. Uh, it did not, <laughs> but Legally Blonde is super, super funny. Like, I, I really dug it. It's, it's one of those movies where it's like, you know it's not as great. You know, it, it was super cheeky and like corny, but you know, whatever, it's like early 2000s. So like, we're just now getting out of the 90s. So like, it still had that 90s era kind of like, oh, we can bullshit through like three fourths of this movie and still be okay. Uh, like, and they definitely do. And it's just, it's super corny, super cheeky. But at the same time, Reese Witherspoon plays a fantastic character in Elle Woods. She's, uh, she's smart without being, like her knowledge in other areas helps her uh, obviously become a lawyer and th that whole thing. And then I feel bad because uh, Legally Blonde 3 was supposed to come out this year and due to the coronavirus, it never did make it out. So I hope we do get to see that eventually. Uh, and it made me want to see Legally Blonde 2, which I'm, I think is also going to be pretty bad, but <laughs> I'll, it'll be worth checking out. Uh, but yeah, I know it's wrong because I know what the right answer is, but yeah, that was my pick, Legally Blonde. I was thinking last night, like, what if they all get it? What if I made it too easy and here we are and no one got it? <laughs> um, all right. So the movie that I was talking about is a film that I wouldn't say I grew up on, but I definitely watched it a lot when I was like 10 or 11, probably a movie that I've seen like three or four different times. One of those films that when you get together with the cousins or your friends, um, you throw that on and you all have a good time with it, especially at a young age. Um, that film is 2008. It stars Steve Carell, Anne Hathaway, and Dwayne The Rock Johnson, and it is Get Smart. Oh. <laughs> so Get you Smart. You gotta be kidding me. <laughs> obviously, uh, Intelligence. I right. told you it was a synonym for intelligence, so that would mean smart. If I said the code word was smart, that'd almost be too obvious. Um, there's a piano, very evident in the climax of that yeah. film, as they are rushing to get a bomb out of the piano. So mm -hmm. it's a pretty good film um, no, for a comedy. For a comedy, <laughs> it's a pretty good film. Awesome so how I, how I do my comedies, how I do my comedies is, um, look, they're not trying to be best picture winners. They're not trying to set the world on fire. They're just, like you said last week about Batman Returns, they're going for the cheese factor. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like I think Where the Millers is a four-star movie, even though it's, not a great movie what they're going for they absolutely nail and i think what get smart goes for it absolutely nails you're absolutely right it's not, when you're looking at it and comparing it to the scorsese's of the world the tarantino's of the world the best picture winners of the world it's not a good film but with what it's going for with being cheesy trying to get the audience to laugh saying oh yeah that's dumb it absolutely nails that um, I haven't decided what I'm going to rate it yet, but regardless, get smart was the code word. And um, yeah, I, I would recommend checking it out if you guys are fans of comedy. 
Um, definitely if you're a fan of the office because of Steve Carell and yeah, that was, that was the code word. And you know, Nick, uh, Nick's going to get us started with this week's code word. Yeah. There's already like a trend of, of code words emerging. It's either a, a Phoenix type of code word where it's very vague. And <laughs> then there's the type of Nathan code word that unless you, that you know that you're right or wrong after you see the film. So I'm going with the Phoenix kind of code word. <laughs> where it's like not even in the title or description <laughs> or <laughs> anything right. at all. No, like, no, it's, it's vague and you will not know if you're right or wrong until the show. It's not like, oh, yep, there's the piano. Yep, I'm right. right. Okay. All right. So, and actually, so I woke up this morning and I was like, oh, shit, I hope it's not me for the code word because if it is, <laughs> I don't have anything. So I was like, all right, let's let's think of one one real quick. And actually very fitting because today's Memorial Day. So happy Memorial Day to everybody. Thanks for all those veterans out there that have served. So, and I didn't even plan this. I just was thinking in my head. So the code word for this week is war, W-A-R, war. Oh, man. <laughs> so just to give a couple of clues, I'm not going to be a bitch like Nathan and make it a 10-year ten year, <laughs> ten year uh, um, span of time, but it'll uh, come out between 2013 and 2018. Okay. And the lead of the movie has one sexiest man alive. So some some actors in there that have one sexiest man alive. And this lead has also been featured in a Marvel movie or movies. Either if, the X-Men or the MCU. If this is if this is the movie I am thinking of, <laughs> I am coming for you because the movie, wait, tech, tech, tech the movie that I watched like last summer that fits that description. If that's the movie you're thinking of, I'm coming for you. Okay. Te- so text, you me know. The descri- text me what you think it is. This will be great. Uh, real quick, uh, just to go back on uh, Get Smart. Uh, I never would have thought of that because I watched it and I hated it so much that I burned it out of my memory. So like, like, uh, yeah, uh, you suck for that, Nathan. Cause, uh, yeah, there was no way I would have thought of that movie. Uh, it's, uh, it, oh, I hate it so much. Is the single worst Dwayne Johnson performance ever. And he's, and he did Skyscraper and Rampage literally last Lame. year. Like, <laughs> like, like ever. I'm sorry. I hate that movie. But uh, real quick, but, once but again, Nathan Nathan has text Nathan has texted me, uh-huh. and um, for for you, Phoenix, we're we're gonna keep it between Nathan and I until next week. But he is not correct. Thank God. Uh, Thank God. He is not correct. <laughs> I am thrilled. I am thrilled because the movie I said I'm not gonna say it. The movie that I uh, I thought it was, I gave one star. I gave it a D. <laughs> It was one of the worst movies I saw in all of 2019. It's not a 2019 release, but I watched it in 2019. One of the worst movies I saw. It was an absolute bore fest to get through. And it fit every single one of those clues Nick said. I am so thrilled I am wrong. I've never been more happy to be wrong in my life. So, oh, yeah. man. Thank and, God. 
And and this will be the fun. If if you're listening to episode two and you've made it to the code word, come back for episode three so that you can you can see what what movie Nathan hates and what he thought it was and what he actually thinks it was after after he put the time in. But yes, so obviously the the code word is going to be posted to our Twitter post recording after the episode is up. So if you want to participate in this week's code word. The code word is WAR, W-A-R. It came out between 2013 and 2018. The lead has won Sexiest Man Alive, and the lead has also been featured in a Marvel movie or movies, whether that be an X-Men film or an MCU film. And, yeah, definitely, um, Nick touched on it. Interact with us, guys. This isn't – we don't do film code just for the four of us to have some fun it, it is fun for sure but we don't do this for the four of us we do this for you guys to interact you know um on our facebook and on our twitter we haven't had a ton of interactions hardly any at all um so if you're listening to this and you want to give a guess uh if you guess and you get it correct we will shout you out here yep. on the podcast so you know we might include some other benefits as well maybe some exclusive uh, Zoom sessions with one of us, something like that. Always interact with us. There's literally only good things that can come from it. So if you want to guess Nick's code word, war 2013 to 2018, the lead one, Sexiest Man Alive, and has been featured in an MC or X-Men film, go ahead and let us know on Twitter, on Facebook. If you get it right, there are definitely some benefits for you. Um, yeah, and with that being said, just interact with us in general, guys. We're uh, we're really looking forward to it. We are on Spotify. We are on what did you say? Captivate, captive, captivate, yep, captivate, and anchor. and anchor. We hope to be on YouTube and Apple Music, Apple Podcasts. We're hoping to be on all those big streaming platforms. Um, but for the time being, look us up on Spotify, captivate. Learn more about us. Hit us up on Letterbox. All those things. You can follow us on Twitter at FilmCodePod. That's F-I-L-M-C-O-D-E pod, P-O-D. We'd love to interact with you guys. We're very active on there. Hit us up on Facebook as well at FilmCode. And then um, I'm Nathan Pig. You can find me at Letterbox at Nathan Pig, N-A-T-H-A-N-P-I-G-G, or on Twitter at NathanPig5. Always love to interact with you guys. Talk to me about anything I'm watching. And uh, this has been a blast for episode two. Yeah, definitely. Hey, my name is Phoenix Cloud. You can find me on Twitter at Reviews one That is the number one. Uh, once again, follow the show at Film Cult Pod on Twitter. Uh, you can look us up under filmcoders.captivate.fm for our website. And uh, check me out on Letterboxd under, uh, under P.A. Cloudin. And uh, we will see you guys next week. This has been Film Code. See you guys next time. (laughs) Bye.